Hello, good afternoon. It is time again for a, another episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay, one of your favorite college football shows. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I'm here, as always, as I will be every Tuesday from now until the end of the season and beyond with my co-host and my friend, Douglas Farmer. Douglas, how are you today? I would be better if I had done any better last week. 0-3 hurts. 0-3 hurts, but as I frequently remind myself, both in life and in gambling, the winningest pitcher in baseball history is the losingest pitcher in baseball history. Sometimes you're going to lose them. Sometimes you're going to go on three. Fortunately, you kept us off the schneid. You went two and one, made me look a little bit better, made me feel a little bit better. But I'm here to redeem myself. Cy Young lost 316 games. Let's win some of the 511 this week. Eternity begins anew each day, I like to say, and that's certainly true with gambling. There's uh, We're under no obligation to be what our records were last week, but uh, still doing pretty well on the season um and uh and and still uh you know four and two again this this week could be uh could be on the table and uh certainly am rooting for it we've got some interesting plays here you know what uh, no, our net we're going on the season and five and one we could we could go the distance absolutely um our net on the season uh 272 uh overall uh producer jacob had that up there 9.5 roi so even douglas with an abysmal week we are still cruising um, with with uh, positive value here. So lots of fun uh, on that front. And of course, obviously the picks matter. And we want to get the picks right, but we want to talk about the games. We want to understand the games and the angles as well. And we get to do that uh, as well. Uh, before we get into today, do want to make sure um, you're aware we are part of the Hammer uh, and uh, Hit the Books HQ is the YouTube channel that we're on. We're sharing a show with them. You can subscribe to that on YouTube. You get Kanish, you get Powers, all that stuff there. Go ahead. If you're here in the comments, toss um, a like uh, to, to us there. Helps the video out, helps our channel out, helps me and Douglas out specifically. And you got questions. You got best bets. Hop in here. Uh, let's hear from you. Would love to would love to chat while we're on the show today too. Uh, so let's get all of that in there. And I'm just ignoring it. I'm just going, I'm just going past the the, the signs that Douglas is hosting out. That's that's just a little nugget for those of you that are watching as opposed to the audio there. Um, let's go ahead, Douglas, and let's recap last week. A little bit, a little bit of a rougher week. I was I was at two and one. You were at oh and three. Um not uh, not not the worst in the world. A couple of close ones there, and and uh, again, sometimes you're sometimes you're north of the line, sometimes you're south of the line. But there's a couple of interesting games that I think we learned a whole lot about. First one we have to talk about. Ohio State Notre Dame. Um, what an what an amazing football game! What an absurd ending to a very very good football game. That would be an accurate description of that ending. It was it was a lot of fun. It um, it's unfortunate the ten man issue occurred because it's going to be how that game's remembered, and it should have been remembered for just how good of a game it was. And my biggest takeaway from it was these are two good physical defenses. Like look out, folks! These defenses are not messing around. Notre Dame, aside from the one sixty-one yard touchdown rush it allowed, and that final drive, chaotic sixty-five yard game when he dropped, Notre Dame gave up two hundred forty yards to Ohio State on forty-nine plays. That's less than five yards per play. And sure, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But you know, Parker, our American cousin was a commercial success. Notre Dame's defense did succeed on Saturday, except for you know that final play where they had only ten players. Yeah, I think if I'm looking at this from a standpoint, not just records, I don't really care about playoff ramifications, all of that. Looking at it from a, from a kind of handicapping perspective and a predictive perspective, Notre Dame outplayed Ohio State. Um, but I do think that what I'm leaning towards is Notre Dame, something I want to circle, uh, at the margin, at the most extreme margin, 
might have a little bit of a coaching disadvantage right now. That's not to say that they have a bad coaching staff or coaching staff that doesn't know what they're doing, but we did see uh, they, they didn't have they didn't have a lot of guys on the field after a timeout. They gave Ohio State a free timeout there, so maybe something that that might be small, but something I have flagged. Additionally, I, I I'm kind of thinking about Ohio State as a sleeping dragon that might have gotten woken. Did really feel like that last drive for Ohio State was like, oh God, golly, let's let's take care of this, and uh, and so will that help them going forward in terms of maybe they've they've got a little bit of mojo? Uh, maybe I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Ohio State playing a little bit better after this game as well. I am not willing to grant that second point, partially because there was a draft, a dropped interception on that. Like Kyle McCourt made a heck of a throw on a third and 19 to get Ohio State to the goal line. But he threw a ball to a defender earlier in the drive. It wasn't that great of a drive overall. Like they made mistakes on it. They just got kind of lucky. As for Notre Dame's coaching, it's going to be real curious to look this week. They're going to a top 20 team. They're going to a national primetime game again. They're going to ESPN College Game Day again. Is there going to be a hangover at Duke, or can the coaching staff protect protect against that? They couldn't last year after Notre Dame lost to Ohio State, and now they're facing a team that's a lot better than Marshall. Riley Leonard is not a quarterback you want to be hungover, figuratively or literally, going up against. No, I, a real live quarterback, and, and Notre Dame's going to have to play two difficult games back to back. That's that's certainly something to look at. Um, I think if this was not the primetime game. If this was a like 11 a.m. kickoff in uh, in North Carolina, then 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 we'd be talking about a different kind of hangover. But I, I think yeah, I think they'll get a lot more of a, um, a a rebound here. Even though I do think Riley Leonard presents a sufficiently different challenge for Notre Dame than uh, than Ohio State did last week, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of the back to back. The preparation matters as well. Um, Oregon 42, Colorado six. Do I have any comments? I don't have any comments. Uh, I had a running sheet of notes on Saturday of things to circle back on, things to check on. And my running note on that was we're going to laugh at Colorado, but this does say something about Oregon. Like let's, let's give a little bit of credit to straight Oregon rather than just knocking Colorado. Kirby, uh, Dan Lanning took a page out of Kirby Smart's pregame playbook, getting that team focused to the, the 2 a.m. And it was like midnight Eastern highlight video they dropped last night of Oregon's players just ignoring Colorado's trash talk and then doing the thing. It was all right out of the Georgia playbook, and that starts to make you think Dan Landon took the right lessons away from Kirby Smart. There could be something cooking in Oregon, be it this year or in the next couple of years. After that, we Absolutely. moved to another We've game seen... where I didn't have a you're great. I think I lagged again. My bad there. I was just going to say, we've seen like the, the Bo Nix billboards in Dallas and the Heisman, all of that nonsense. Oregon clearly might clearly knows what they're doing in terms of the PR and the narrative and all, all as well. And it's good to see, I was interested to see if they could actually like ramp it up and dial it in. I had the suspicion that they would be doing that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, I think Oregon is, is for real. Not that winning against Colorado certainly moved the needle there, but more so to say, I think that they kind of have the foundation and the coaching clearly knows what they're doing in terms of national competition. I'm interested in Oregon moving forward. And then after that, we get to Alabama, Mississippi, Alabama wins by two touchdowns. We should one kind of laugh at Lane Kiffin. And two, you're going to start feeling better about Alabama, even though I am still skeptical. I'm not sold on Alabama's offensive line. It's given up 16 sacks this season, Parker, including four to Mississippi. And it's not like Mississippi's known for an excellent defensive front. I think that could be a problem when LSU or Texas A&M show up on the schedule. 
It could be. What the way that I'm trying to think of it is I pulled a stats for offensive line at continuity today and just pulled the top 10. Continuity being how distributed were your offensive line snaps? Not so not including tight ends, anything else, just your five offensive linemen. And uh, Alabama was 10th in the nation, most concentrated, which means the fewest people have taken snaps, which with an O-line is generally going to be a good thing. That's They have some younger guys there. What I potentially would believe with that is that there's a learning curve and they are going to improve and continue to improve over the course of the season, conditional on them being able to keep that continuity high. Maybe small at the margin or whatever, but I, but I thought about that offensive line as well. Um, and the continuity, I think, is a good thing. It's not like they're flailing, trying to put guys out there and – and uh, and figuring out or they have injuries they're, they're, we we should expect some positive regression from the Alabama offensive line. He's absolutely logic. I apply every football season. I generally apply it more to the running game than the pass blocking game. Uh, in my head, running blocks, it's more of a tag team effort, whereas pass blocking, it's more often, not always more often. You've got to pick up your guy on your own. It's more of an individual, not always, but more often. Uh, I It's something to keep an eye on. You have a, a very logical point there, but 16 sacks through four games, five against Texas, five against South Florida, four against Mississippi, that's not sustainable. And if that doesn't get fixed, if it doesn't gel, I look at sacks as like two-thirds of a turnover sometimes. Going up against LSU and Texas A&M, Jalen Milrow getting taken down the backfield will serve as drive killers and give LSU's offense a chance. Something for us to keep an eye on. Especially with the kind of multiplicative effect of we've seen when Milrow, when the Milrow offense is working, third and long is not a part of it, right? And it's actually how you get Milrow and third and long and third and Milrow is not where you want to be. So definitely that, that the multiplicative effect third of the offensive Milrow. line there is, is huge. Yeah, we're coining third and Milrow. Absolutely. I'm Write just, that one down. Yep. Making a note of that. Third and Milrow. Literally writing it down. Got it. <laughs> uh, the other game I wanted to cover very, very quickly. Uh, I know that you were duties elsewhere, so I don't even know that you got to watch this one. Washington State 38, nope. Oregon State 35. This was not as close as the score. Uh, Oregon State made a late fourth quarter push. Um, Washington State's offense is damn impressive. I think their depth on defense is a little thin. When Oregon State picked up the pace at the end and was trying to make a push, they, they, they struggled a little bit um, and, and legitimately almost did come back. But, man, Washington State's offense is, is for real and, and really, really impressed there. I will take your word for it. Uh, when Notre Dame is in that close of a game and I am uh, doing my day job, I'm not going to get enough eyes elsewhere. I tried to have a few games on during the first half. Appalachian State, Wyoming, I'll touch on later. Yes, that was on one of my auxiliary screens. Oregon State, Washington State never quite got on my radar. Um, yeah, I think that uh, not enough for me to bet against uh, against Oregon State this weekend, but I was certainly, I was certainly interested in um, the fact that Washington State just put up a really big lead on them. I, I think a lot of Oregon State's defense, and so very impressive from Washington State. Um, another game, well, let's talk about a couple that had ramifications with our futures. Speaking of teams that are real, do you know who is alive and breathing and a gosh dang real football team? The Penn State Nittany um, Alliance. 31 to nothing against I, Iowa. The nothing is not impressive. The, the, my top yeah. line note is Penn State, I believe. It's that simple. They yeah. looked so good. And it was one of those moments where I was impressed by Drew Aller's maturity in not forcing the issue. 25 of 37 for 166 yards. He just took what Iowa gave him. Iowa's not going to give you much, but if that's all you take, you're going to find some success. I was so impressed. No part of Penn State's offense exploded, yeah. yet they still just dominate. They out Iowa to Iowa. 
Yeah, the, the zero is not as impressive to me as the 31 against Iowa there. Just a, just a drubbing, just a beat down, just physicality on both sides of the ball. And yeah, they out Iowa to Iowa. Um, I, I still had that as what, plus 600 to win the Big Ten earlier this season or early in our offseason. So feeling pretty okay about that future. Again, really just need a split between uh, between Ohio State and Michigan and, and some help there. But I think, man, they look very, very solid, very, very complete. Let's go over to uh, Pac-12. We both have a future about Utah. Uh, they got, got a Dante Moore pick six on the first play of the game and then just played a draw for the rest of the game for UCLA. And I think Kyle Whittingham hey, is okay with that. Yeah. Hey, it's now they did more than play to a draw. Like Carson Steele had 11 carries for 29 yards. Dante Moore completed 15 out of 35 passes. When your defense is playing that well, you can afford to punt six times in the second half. I think I wrote down, let's see here. They had six drives, 25 plays for Utah in the second half. They didn't even try. They knew they were up two touchdowns until the closing minutes. And they go, whatever, we're playing a backup quarterback. We're at home. Let's just cruise to cruise it out at 14-0. Dante Moore, I couldn't really draw any conclusions off him because he made that mistake and then he led a late touchdown drive. But the mistake allowed for the late touchdown drive effectively because Utah could pull up that much. That was a game where I just was happy to take it. Uh, I'm sitting with that Utah national championship future of 125 to 1. You're sitting with that Utah plus 700 to win the Pac-12. I don't care how they win. I just want them to keep winning. Yeah, absolutely. I love that they kind of have the energy of like, uh, I, I, I'm like going to pull you down into the pool and then drown you. And I might drown a little bit too, but I'm going to drown you more than I get drowned. That's like, a, they just are able to just get you in the mud. It is, it is impressive. I bet like, obviously they want Cam rising back. Obviously they'd like to score more points. I think Kyle Whittingham loves this team. I bet, I bet this is one of his favorite Utah teams just because they're so frustrating. They're so frustrating for opponents there. It's a really good thing. Um, they, Thoughts like that aren't recorded and put in the public sphere for posterity. Oh, boy. We might be getting some interesting phone calls from the FBI this week. You might be getting some interesting phone calls from the FBI this week. They can get they can get in line. Uh, going to some games of the week and looking forward, Utah does go to Oregon State. Oregon State minus three and a half point favorites. Uh Cam Rising is going to play next week. It's kind of like the bar has the sign free beer tomorrow. That's what we keep hearing. Cam Rising next week. I don't know when he's coming back. Maybe they're going to wait for the bye at this point. Um, there's going to be a lot of running in this game. Very, very, very beefy. Has moved from three to three and a half. Uh, and the total is down from 45 to 44 this um, this week. What, what, do you, what are you thinking about this game, Douglas? Today, excuse well, me. Well, I will I will admit I will admit a, a personal family. When this opened with Utah as a one point underdog, I took that just banking on it's gonna jump to, to Utah being favored by one to three once Cam Rising's in. And this line movement makes it clear that for the second week in a row, the market doesn't the books expected him back, the market doesn't. Uh, so I'm sitting on a bad ticket there, and it was me just trying to outsmart the system without Cam. Cam rising, this is this is going to become so run heavy. I looked at your rush rate over expected numbers. Do you realize that Utah is is running more than 124 other teams in the country when you consider game state? Rush rate over expected by 10.8%. And then there's Oregon State, 
who's uh, only 77th in that regard. But they still run the ball nearly 56% of the time. The difference there is Oregon State gets themselves into positions where you expect them to run. So they just keep running because that's all their offense really is. Running this, this game might not have 50 pass attempts, which is why that total is down to 44 and a half because pretty soon here it's going to get to 42. Like It's going to keep falling because the idea of 60, 70 rushes is just going to kill a total. And those rush numbers are this season now adjusted for scrambles and uh, design runs. So that's only design runs above, above um, expected with, with Nate, Nate Johnson has scrambled a little bit, uh, might, might have influenced those numbers a little bit in the past, but that is just design runs. So super, super beefy rushing performance. And they're probably running a little bit more because some of their passes are not working out and they're getting scrambles there. So yeah, I expect that to be a uh, just a rock fight of a game. Uh, and love that it is on a Friday. I'll get to watch all of it with my attention undeterred. Um, another pretty hefty one. LSU goes to Mississippi. Um, this is kind of do or die for both teams. Uh, if, if, if LSU, um, I guess if, if Mississippi wins, LSU is not technically out, but it kind of feels like it. They're behind the eight ball. If uh, LSU wins, Mississippi's out entirely here. Um, I have this as just a slight edge towards Mississippi, which shocked me when the numbers came out this morning. Could you, did you look at, it shocked you, so I, I, I'm going to assume you looked at it and tried to assess where that, that surprise originated. Did you land on a specific spot that is the reason for that shift? Yep, this, um, man, this, this LSU defense is pretty problematic here. 86th in defensive EPA per play. They're 83rd in success rate allowed. And uh, one thing that really, really stands out, an area where Ole Miss is not very good on offense is third and fourth downs. Very good at early downs EPA, 36, but they're 98th in third and fourth down success. LSU is allowing 52.4% uh, conversion rate on third and fourth down. That's when you add those third and fourth downs together. Uh, so that one gives, gives Mississippi a ton of opportunity to extend drives and uh, and maybe clean up if they can't get that early down ZPA, but they're so explosive early. I think they're just going to be able to score in this LSU offense. We see that currently minus two and a half, some places minus three um, for, for LSU there. Um, I, I, I am a little bit distrusting of these numbers, but man, if you can get uh, the rebels with plus plus money, that seems like a pretty decent bet here, given that I have them favored. I agree with the value thought there. It's very rare that I will see you have something and then I will distinctly go the other. Like sometimes it talks me out of something. It very rarely will, will sit there and I still go against it. I just LSU's offense is the best unit on the field. His defense might be a weak spot, but LSU's offense is, in my opinion, by far the best unit on the field in that game. So I kind of want to put a little faith in them. I'm not on that game yet, but that is, I have a little bit more faith in LSU's offense just to outscore Lane Kiffin. Yeah, especially the, um, there is a pretty good trend, and I don't have the number offhand, but uh, the week after Alabama does not go well for, for anyone the last couple of years in college football. And so there's something uh, to that as well, that, that, that angle. And again, I like, I like angles. I like numbers. Uh, so don't, don't have a play there for, for that one, but was interested in that number. Um, all right. Look at that. Oh, just under 20 minutes, we get through the recap and we're here. We're ready to get some free plays, some picks uh, that we have. Uh, again, uh, two and one for me last week, zero and three for, for Douglas, not to rub his face in it, but just because we are transparent um, and Thanks. hoping we're here going to. Calling you handsome <laughs> and you got to do that to me. You I, I, Telling the world, isn't Parker handsome? Hey, Douglas went on three last week. <laughs> 
thing. Um, but that being said, Douglas, go ahead and start us off. You briefly mentioned this team earlier, and you've got to play to kick us off here. Uh, uh, if you want me to go into Appalachian State, I will. But then after that, we need to discuss your, your weekday plans. You were saying you're going to have all your attention on Utah. And I'm looking at your picks. I know your Friday night's going to be kind of busy. But I will start off with Appalachian State. They 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 were on my screen in the press box because I had money. I had personal money on Appalachian State. And they gave it away. They were up five points, looking to kick a field goal with two minutes to go. Wyoming blocks it, runs it back for a touchdown. And then Appalachian State puts together a drive to go redeem it. And it throws an interception on that drive. Just it. it I'm going to call it a bad beat. And sometimes you got to look at a bad beat and find the silver lining. The silver lining is the value might present itself the next week. Somebody like Appalachian state, your numbers theoretically adjust for the bad beat. They, they look at the yarders, they look at success rates, they look at everything, but you know what? They still have to acknowledge the things that happened. That blocked field goal is still somewhere in the numbers. That interception on a promising drive is still somewhere in the numbers. And that's where I can find a little bit of value. You add in the fact that they held Wyoming to 208 yards. Appalachian State had six quality drives. Wyoming had one. Appalachian State, by that math, controlled 86% of this game. Appalachian State should have won. I'm seeing value moving forward. They're favored by only 13 and a half at Louisiana Monroe. I think that number was available at, let's see here, FanDuel, Caesars, and MGM before we went live. 13 and a half at Louisiana Monroe. And I look at and I think Appalachian State's got a good running back in Nate Noel. It's going to get at least 100 yards. They they have they're now back at home. There's a worry that they're going to lose focus after that bad of a beat. Well, they're at home and it's a conference game. It's time to refocus. They're going to run the ball against Louisiana Monroe. They run the ball 5.8% more than would be expected, which is in the top 25 in the country. And that's enough to run it down Louisiana Monroe's throat. Louisiana Monroe runs the ball even more. That's because its offense can't do anything. And that might sound harsh, but it's a reality. Louisiana Monroe's offense would be outscored by most maybe not most, a good number of Texas high school offenses. That gives me enough incentive to believe in Appalachian State to redeem itself, cover that two-touchdown, less-than-two-touchdown spread on the back of a strong running game at home. I like it. Big disparity there. App State, 14th in echo ratio. They control 65.9% of the quality possessions in a game. Louisiana Monroe, 37%. That's 124th in the nation. So if football is a game of opportunity creation, App State certainly has a huge edge here um I, I i like that play i was actually on the other side on the wyoming side and an over so and over just so close and uh did absolutely got the got the push there recognized it was the wrong side that was one of those where i said count this as an l regardless glad to glad to get out of it even and square um another g5 game where i believe there is a pretty big mismatch between quality of opponents here jacksonville state goes to Sam Houston on Thursday. There's some weeknight action for you. I like Jacksonville State minus six and a half, minus 110 at Caesars right now. Jacksonville State, 18th in echo ratio. Sam Houston State, 133rd. Talk about offenses that could be outscored by high school teams. Sam Houston State is 133rd in offensive EPA per play. Dead last in passing, dead last in rushing, dead last in echo rate. Parker, there are only 133 teams in college football. Are you telling me that Sam Houston State is the worst in the country at success rate on offense? Absolutely. Uh, at success rates? No, they're 132. 
They're 133 oh, in EPA. Oh, good for them. Play. 132 in success rate. Them. So not all negatives there. Not all negatives there. Uh, the defense, decent against the pass, kind of so-so at opportunity creation, 73rd in echo rate, 73rd in points per echo. Um, what I really like about this is Jacksonville State experimenting with quarterbacks, being able to say, hey, we like um, we like Webb, but with Smothers, we get a little bit more mobility. They're running the ball really, really well. Both of these teams are running a ton, 127th in rush rate over expected for Jack State. Sam Houston State, 117th in rush rate over expected. So heavy, heavy run game. Uh, expect a lot of three and outs against Sam Houston. I think Sam Houston's defense has been highly regarded this season. I actually have Jacksonville State slightly better just by the numbers when we adjust for opponent and look at the efficiency here. So not a lot of scoring from Sam Houston State. Jack State's going to get theirs. Uh, go ahead and give me the Gamecocks. Minus six and a half. We're betting on Rich Rod again, and I don't hate it. Uh, I I don't have a huge take on that, but you just said something that has me curious about your next play. You are implying that Sam Houston State's defense, while good, it's somewhat inflated by its opponents. Well, one of those opponents that I believe it held the 14 points is somebody you want to put money on now. So if you're telling me that BYU, spoiler, BYU's offense is not that good, that's why Sam Houston State's defense is well-regarded, why are you about to turn around, distract yourself from the Utah game on Friday night, and put money on BYU? It's a great question. I think there's two things that really stand out here. Um, one, uh, do you know the last time that Cincinnati has um, played at altitude? Um, uh, oh, God. Okay, let's let's. I'm um, trying to rattle off. They don't play in California very often. I'm assuming they don't play in Colorado. Yeah, I've got uh, somewhere in the Appalachians. I don't know because I gave up and got bored and stopped looking because in the last four seasons, they haven't played anywhere with this kind of altitude. I think Cincinnati got entirely overblown, overrated by a, uh, a win against a pit team that we have seen is abysmal. And by, you know, Emory Jones with his arm cannon blowing out uh, an FCS team. I had Cincinnati very, very lowly power rated this season. I think the only thing that they have going for them is their defensive line is legitimately very, very good. Rest of the team and super flawed. You can see how that line stands out in the pass and rush split on, on defense for Cincinnati. 108th in EPA per pass, 5th in EPA per rush. So uh, BYU passing more often than they're rushing 4.2 percentage points, uh, less than average for, for that rush rate over expected. That's 47th in the nation, and they're decently um, efficient. Uh, I, I think the uh, flip side of this is Cincinnati is running a lot more on offense, 1.4 percentage points, uh, more than average at 76th. And BYU's defense is 29th EPA per pass, 8th in EPA per rush. Very, very strong. One stat that really, really pushes this in, in BYU's direction for me, third and fourth down success. Cincinnati's offense is 101st on late downs. BYU's defense is currently second uh, overall, doing quite well in those third and fourth down situations. I am low on Cincinnati. I think they're a little overrated. I think that plus the combination of uh, altitude, uh, I like the Cougars here. I'm going with it. You never actually said the number. You're getting BYU oh, minus by point one at Bet Rivers. Minus 110. Yep, absolutely. I have and this BYU by four, entirely. and I am low on BYU. And this line was two and a half an hour and a half ago, which is a little worrisome. What what did we what do we not know? But I, I suspect it's just a, a market mistake 
my notes on this game, which I was considering, and I I will end up on in various ways this week. I agree with you entirely. My three notes were Cincinnati is bad, which you you mentioned, Pittsburgh boost, which you mentioned, and home field advantage. That altitude I wrote down, that's 4,551 feet above sea level. I don't know what Cincinnati itself is at, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be in the two, three, four hundreds, given its proximity to the Great Lakes. I will very much agree with you on this, especially – even as, especially that number moves toward us, where at BYU to pick them at home, I'm comfortable with that. Yep, I like it. Uh, first, first big 12 meeting between the two of them here, and uh, just just makes some sense. More a little more constancy out of BYU's offense, um, and even against Kansas. I mean, Kansas super super explosive, but uh, I think BYU is kind of in the situation of doing enough to keep themselves in games and at home here. I like that. A couple, uh, you know, good okay showing they kind of got outplayed but took advantage of some mistakes in Arkansas and then Kansas last week on the road don't love it so at home I think we got a BYU get right game here what's your next play I'm going to stay in the big 12 I'm going to go with a team that is 4-0 against the spread they're covering the spread by an average of more than two touchdowns Vegas has not caught up to how good this team is and when that number is as much as two touchdowns covering the spread by an average of it's not going to catch up anytime soon and then Hat, hat tip to a uh, hammer contributor, John Fendler. He got me looking at this. Iowa State's offensive success rate is not on, on a fair footing with its points per scoring opportunities. It is doing far more scoring than it should, given its abysmal success rate. That's not sustainable. That's going to come back to reality. And against an Oklahoma defense, Iowa State puts together a quality drive less often than 118 other teams in the country. Oklahoma's defense gives up quality drives very rarely, even more rarely, Oklahoma giving up points on those quality drives. Opponents have scored 1.5 points per quality drive against Oklahoma. That is remarkable. That's not going to be sustainable, but that that general trend, it's going to stay below three for a long while. I am, as much as I'm going to bet, Oklahoma by 19 against Iowa State, a number that's available at Neg 109 at Bet Rivers. As much as I'm going to bet that, later in the week, I'm going to be looking for an Iowa State team total at 14 and a half or 14 or 14 and a half of the numbers I'm hoping to get. Frankly, 13 and a half is probably safe. Oklahoma's defense should win this game more than anything else. Very much on Oklahoma there. As long as that stays under three touchdowns, uncomfortable with that overall spread. Oklahoma's defense should win this game. What a time to be alive. The only thing that makes me nervous, because I agree with the numbers, I think, and I have it like that. Uh, since 2016, when Matt Campbell was in, uh, came to Ames, uh, 34, 24, 31, 38, 37, 27, 42, 41, 30, 37, 27, 21, 28, 21, 27, 13 last year. And that was a blowout by standards of this game. Seems like, uh, sometimes there is some, some stuff in the water there, but hopefully, uh, Norman, uh, and, and the Sooners at home will be able to uh, exercise some demons against Iowa state, uh, in a matchup that's been pretty feisty the last couple of years. Um, that's, You've got one a more fair worry. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. That's a fair worry, but I'm starting to think the Matt Campbell situation might just be untenable, and he might know that. Was it back the, uh, was it the Iowa game or one before that where he he got after it when a fan yelled at him that you're on the hot seat, and when a coach is reacting that rashly and abruptly in public at the reference of a hot seat. I'm going to start to wonder how they're acting in private as well. And then, yes, I have one more play. I'm going to stay in the state of Iowa. Iowa by 12 against Michigan State. I believe that is available still at Neg 110 at Bet Rivers. That's the primetime NBC game Saturday night. 
And it's not going to be very entertaining because Iowa's defense is going to score 14 points and Michigan State's offense is going to score zero. That's how this Michigan State is okay passing the ball. And it needs to be because it is so bad in early down success rate. It is one of the 30 worst teams in the country, no matter how you want to look at early down success rates. Michigan State puts itself in third and long. You put yourself in third and long against Iowa, it's a recipe for for suffering. Iowa's going to find ways to make Michigan State capitulate in those moments, and that's going to be all it takes. Brian Ferentz, you need to score at least 40 in this game to get back on pace to keep your job. And while Parker might think that's all a psyop, this is a chance for the defense to give him a boost. I think at home with this defense, and we don't know where Michigan State's floor is, I'm very comfortable taking Iowa at 12. I'm very comfortable taking Iowa probably up to two touchdowns. Okay. I uh, I like it. Michigan State certainly a team to, to fade here. Um, not anyone that I'm interested in betting money on. I think the biggest thing for me is Noah Kim under pressure is just, just completely wilts. And uh, I was going to be able to generate pressure here. So uh, certainly a good, a good play. I like it a whole lot. All right, let's get to the spicy one here at the end. A, um, a very spicy. fun one. I think Parker, what would, uh, what would, what would make this one? I oh you're gonna get you're gonna buy me a beer with like uh, those in uh, brewed in tequila infused barrels and therefore the beer you're gonna owe me because of this game is gonna have a little bit of spicy to it. I understand. All um, all all, all the marbles come down to this one basically because both of these teams are way worse than I think either of us thought at the beginning of the season. We were talking about uh, maybe a, a long shot to win the conference and. Woof, things got extremely, extremely dark here. We've got Louisiana Parker, you Tech. See the, you see the and graphic UTEP. producer Jacob has thrown on the oh. screen. This is. I love it. I love it. What? That's great work. That's very fun stuff. Um, I'm glad. I, I, I'm just glad we wrote the beer bets down and remembered them, let alone have a graphic for the segment. That's a, that's a lot of fun. Uh, Louisiana Tech is at UTEP. That's uh, Friday night. So I do have uh, all three plays or, or weeknight plays. For me, um, Douglas, you've got UTEP uh, to win the CUSA plus 1100. Going to go ahead and uh, read a read a postmortem for that one. I think that one's probably uh, out there, but I do believe that was a flyer. So that's what the purpose of the flyer is, is something interesting. Um, I have a, a beer with you that Louisiana Tech's going to finish higher than UTEP in the CUSA. Um, and the tiebreaker is head to head. So it would be really nice to have this one because who knows what these teams are going to look like in four weeks after more injuries and, and buyout factor and, and all of that hits. But um, I'm actually going to have an actual play on top of this and not, not just rooting for the beer bet here. Uh, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts about this game as well. I'm going to take Louisiana Tech plus one and a half minus 115 at FanDuel right now. Um, I have them favored outright toss up game, but uh, I, I do have them favored. And I think the deciding factor is Louisiana tech does one thing, two things. Well, um, they can pop off an explosive play in theory and uh, look like last week when they switched quarterbacks were able to generate some of that against Nebraska and two, they're, they're better on early downs than they are on late downs. They're 43rd and early downs EPA there. I think they have some kind of passing ceiling. UTEP has none. UTEP's going to run the ball a lot. 104th in rush rate over expected. And they're super inefficient at it, 113th in rush rate, or excuse me, in EPA per rush, 90th in rushing success rate on offense. I think Louisiana Tech with an explosive ceiling, a little bit good of, uh, or a little bit good mojo coming out of, uh, you know, maybe the quarterback switch works a little bit better. Smoke Williams, I think, is really, really hard to defend. So I'm going to actually kind of double down on my beer bet here. And I'm going to say Louisiana Tech plus one and a half is my play for this game. 
What about you on this game? I I like only one thing about this. I don't like any of it. I like there's one thing. There's only one thing I like about this. And it's that you were smart as you placed this bet. That was plus 105, neg 115 at FanDuel. You look across the rest of the market, it's plus one. You'd be looking at a pick them effectively, the rest of the market. And that's because you, Parker Fleming, you know the easiest way to improve the sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. You and I, we recommend using an odds comparison tool like Betstamp. Betstamp.app slash hit the books will help us look good while you get some help. Betstamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, player props, pretty much anything you can think of. It helps you get a better number like this plus one and a half instead of plus one. Better odds. Neg 115, a five cent VIG on that extra hook is very much worth it. Download the app. There should be a link in the description. If you sign up through this page, it helps people know that we're kind of doing our job. And then you go look in the far corner of this where the beer bag graphic used to be. Far corner of this screen, there's a QR code which will help you quickly sign up for FanDuel and get that better number if you agree with Parker. I can't agree with Parker because I want this beer. We've got James in the comments saying, if you've got money on UTEP winning anything, he's got some beachfront property in Phoenix. Well, look, I saw the last man on earth. There might be some beachfront property in Phoenix by the time all these things are said and done. In the meantime, the money I have on UTEP will be covered by the beer Parker's going to have to buy me because I have the home team in this game. And that was always why I had the flyer. I went back and listened to that clip from the summer about 20 minutes before we went on air just to refresh. What do I need to remember that I was so committed to? And I was committed to a veteran, veteran quarterback in Gavin Hardison who likes to chuck the ball even if his receivers can't catch it. And I was committing to a scheduling matrix advantage. And that scheduling matrix advantage included having this game at home. I will continue to believe you're going to have to buy me a second beer on the year. Give me a 2-0 lead on beer bets because UTEP has this game at home. I might have three plays today. I, I not might. I do have three plays today, but I care about nothing as much as I care about the UTEP Miners getting me a W Friday night. Hey, gonna be gonna be high stakes. Uh, very excited about that one. It's gonna be an awful football game, but I love having stakes on an awful football game. Should be a lot of um, if, a lot. If of anybody's fun curious, there. that game is nine Eastern Friday night on CBS Sports Network. Utah and Oregon State might be playing at the same time, but Parker and I, our primary screens are gonna be on CBS Sports Network. <laughs> Do I even have CBS Sports Network? I'm honestly not sure. I'm going to have to look and see. Uh, I will find a way to watch this game, though, whether it be some some random website or I, I'm sure I have it on cable. Um, all right, before we recap and uh, and get out of here, want to say uh, thanks to everyone who's in here. Matt Gannon, Adam Reichart. Reichert, hope I did that right. Probably didn't. James S, new to the channel. Thanks for being in here. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys being in here, helping us uh, talk about college football for know, every week. It's oh, go I ahead. did note Matt Gannon before the show began. He was calling this Louisiana Tech season. Clearly, somebody who's yes. watching the worst parts of our experience. The Louisiana Tech Renaissance. Many people are. Many people are talking about it. Douglas, what are your plays for this week? What do you got? We've got Appalachian State by 13 and a half at Louisiana Monroe. That's a belief in Appalachian State bouncing back from a bad beat and leaning on its run game against a woeful defense and an even worse offense. I've got Oklahoma by 19 against Iowa State. Oklahoma's defense is not yet appreciated. And as you pointed out, Parker, what a time to be alive. I'm crediting Oklahoma's defense. They shut teams down when it matters most. And Iowa State is a hit or miss kind of team. It's not going to pull it off. And I've got Iowa by 11 and a half against Michigan State. That is a belief in Iowa's defense 
shutting down Michigan State entirely and throughout. Ryan Fee points out, I misspoke. Appalachian State is on the road. Yeah, but it's Louisiana Monroe. Is it really on the road? Anyway, Iowa 11. Uh, Iowa is up to 12, I believe. I, I My sheet here is wrong. Iowa 12, Michigan State. Iowa's defense is going to shut Michigan State down entirely, and that will be enough to get them a 12-point cover. Awesome, awesome. I've got three plays as well. All of them are going to be on a weeknight. I'm going to go with Jacksonville State minus six and a half, minus 110 at Caesars, Bet Rivers, DK, um, uh, over Sam Houston State. I'm going to take BYU at home against Sensi, minus one, minus one, one, uh, minus 110, excuse me. Uh, I've got Cincinnati um, not having played an altitude here and BYU uh, improving week over week. And then lastly, to double down on our beer bet, I'm going to go with Louisiana Tech plus one and a half. That's minus 115 at FanDuel. I know, look, you don't just walk into El Paso and steal a game, but the Bulldogs are ready. I'm going to I'm gonna ride with them and uh, the, the beer Douglas is going to have to buy me is going to be ice cold and delicious. Um, Douglas. Um, I, will, I will believe that when the clock hits zeros until then it's going to go, I'm going to believe it's going to go like Grant Wells throwing two interceptions, inevitable and always the case. Uh, speaking of which Grant Wells might be back this week. Keep an eye on Virginia Tech's line. And my last thought folks is it will be my mission for the rest of the week to find out the last time Cincinnati played at altitude. I will use that to break up writing and stretch my legs and just Google their schedule as far back as I have to go. I don't know what we define as at altitude. I don't is is 3000 feet high. I don't know what the number is, but I'm going to find it. I love it. I love it. I, I again, I tried, but I'm, I, I, I'm easily distractible and got bored. So we'll see what the result is. Make sure you follow Douglas on Twitter at D underscore farmer. I am on Twitter at stats of war. This has been never punt comma, never parlay part of the hammer network and hit the books HQ. Make sure you like subscribe, share the video. Um, and uh, we'll catch all of you next week.